Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Quick Time, the podcast. We are one man short, so we're going to make sure we drink a couple beers for Jason Orth as he's not joining us tonight. But we are back at the brew house. Uh, joined once again with Brad Brown. Brad, man, how was your week? Oh, it was kind of a sad week. I uh, saw that there was no more boating going to happen this year, so I winterized my boat and I tucked it away for the winter. So it was a, a tough day. Of course, now I look at the weather and it's supposed to be like 78, 80 degrees on Saturday, so I could have took it out one more weekend. But yeah, I had to call it a year and put the boat into, into hibernation for the winter. So I uh, got to watch a lot of sprint car racing on the internet, but other than that, uh, uh, it, was a, it was a good weekend, nice relaxing weekend. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of watching sprint car races on the internet, we were uh, once again blessed by uh, Float Racing and Dirt Vision as uh, Dirt Vision had the uh, National Open where we saw Donnie Schatz pick home the $75,000 on Saturday night. When the money is on the line, Don Don's ready to go. And, uh, you know, that was his fifth win on the year. And, and about two or three weeks ago, um, they were struggling. So they, they brought in the Ford Motor Company guys to the racetrack and Man, they figured something out because he won um, won the next night after the Ford Motor Company guys were there, and then he goes out there and takes care of business at uh, at Williams Grove. And you know, uh, um, Larson was coming, and coming out of four, he, he tapped the wall and lost a little bit of momentum and so forth. But I, I don't think Larson was going to get him. I think Shots had it covered, and he took home that seventy five thousand dollars and let the Pennsylvania Posse in Turn Three know about it. Yeah, speaking of Posse, did they even uh, show up? Because uh, from what I hear, like they uh, they didn't even uh, unload their cars. <laughs> if you look at the results on Saturday night, they, they only put two cars in the in the top ten, and they were like seventh and ninth, or eighth and tenth, or something like that. So no, they they did not have a very good showing for uh, for Pennsylvania Posse. Then on the prelim night, it looked like David Gravel picked up the victory. I did not watch actually. I didn't watch any of the outlaw stuff. My I was glued to the short track nationals down in Arkansas, where we saw Sam Habertief, uh with some uh, quick-time mojo, he picked up uh, the uh, Short Track Nationals this year. And also, uh, we didn't mention it, but last week he also uh, won, uh, won the ASCS uh, races out there, the Daniel McMillan, McMillan Memorial stuff, too. So, I mean, he's been on a roll since he's been on the show. Yeah, uh, that's, that's the karma. Um, but uh, I was bouncing around between the Outlaws and the, and the uh, ASCS race and kind of disappointed in the ASCS race uh, most of it was uh, follow the leader on the bottom it wasn't it didn't look like it was a rubber down track but there just wasn't much track there so Sam just tucked her down on the bottom and and uh, um, took the, took the win uh, but the outlaw race uh, the outlaw race is good uh, there was uh, shots had them covered but there was people coming up from the back and it, it was a pretty good show yeah like you said uh, I mean the, the short track national race yeah it kind of was you know kind of follow the leader but there's something about that I-30 Speedway that's still badass. I, I really hope to get back there. It's been, hell, it's been almost 10 years since I've been out there last, and I know it's one of your places you really want to get to. Oh, for sure. I mean, it was a, it was a, a just an unfortunate race, I think, on Saturday because they, they always have a good show and so forth, so they they have uh, they, they prepare the track really well and so forth, but uh, you can't get it right every night. But, uh, yeah, that's one track. That, that's one event that I want to get to for sure. I don't yeah. know when that's going to be, but uh, we'll, we'll maybe in re- my retirement I'll travel the the whole country and pick up races that I want to hit. Well, now that it's earlier uh, in the in the in the month, I I don't think you have the excuse of uh, what was, what was your excuse before? Was it anniversary or was it uh, just it was, work? It was my birthday weekend, and so I, sh- I should have used that, but uh, no, it was mostly just work. Uh, we 
We start our 20 hours of practice per week uh, on the, on the 15th. So we practice every Saturday from here on out. And so um, it just, just doesn't work out. It's the wrong time of the year for me. Well, lucky for you, it's the first week in October. So uh, may, maybe one of these years we'll get you down there. I mean, you, uh, there's always an open seat when I roll down there. So. Well, when it was so far back uh, in the month of October, the weather was always so shaky, and you just never knew what you were going to get. But like Sam said when he was on the show uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, um, the, the weather's been really good, and it's completely changed the event, and, and it showed again this year. that They had really good weather. Um, they just, uh, I just, I don't know what happened. They just kind of missed the track a little bit, but uh, I was still, I would, it would have been better to sit there in light in real life and watch it than than on the TV. But uh, it is what it is. Yeah, definitely. Last year, last not last year, but last time I was down there, I believe it was like a high of thirty four degrees. <laughs> yeah. So it was damn cold when we were there. What they had like sixty cars, I think it was fifty seven. Uh, six, between sixty and seventy. So, so it was still uh, still a good car count. Uh, you you wonder how many cars is too many in one night, and with their their program, I mean they were they were racing until one in the morning, and I I used to didn't care about that. If I was there at a racetrack one in the morning, it was still a good night. But we're getting old now, absolutely. And so uh, you wonder if it's time to, for them to go back and and divide the the group the the cars up and qualify each night or something i don't know i don't have the answer to that it's way above my pay grade but uh um it worked for them and they put on a decent show and sam took home the money yeah definitely it's there's also been some uh track champ not track champions but series championships uh that were announced since we were uh, last on the air uh locally we saw seth bramer pick up the nebraska 360 championship and i know you have some news about the uh the old nebraska 360 sprint series yeah, unfortunately, that Seth Bramer might be the last uh, Nebraska 360 sprint car champion uh, in the series. Uh, I'm hearing some pretty good information that uh, Dennis Parker, uh, he's the race director, um, he's stepping down and he's he's done with it. And unless somebody comes and takes his role, uh, the, the Nebraska 360 sprint series is dead. And, and as a result, that probably means 360 sprint car racing in Nebraska is dead. And that's really sad because people spent have spent a lot of time and money and effort over the last thirty years or whatever it is forty years and to try to keep uh, keep it alive and it's, it sounds like it's on life support right now. Yeah, so here is your chance for all those uh, internet uh, track promoters, series promoters, you know, to actually step up, put your money where your mouth is, and actually uh, run a series. Yeah, I don't know anything about running a series, but if I did not have the job that I have. And track season is in full swing at the University of Nebraska from January until the middle of June. I would probably think about stepping up and trying to run that series because I love 360s. Um, we know it's it's it's, <laughs> it's on life support, and you really hate to see it go. But uh, the bottom line is, it's been on life support for a couple of years. There's there's a handful of cars. Um, that have 360s and, and and just a couple of them are truly competitive night in and night out, and they price themselves out of the, out of the game. Um, you got to have a hard hitting motor to to beat Dover, and so um, what used to be twenty twenty five thousand dollar motors are now fifty fifty five thousand, and and you're racing for a thousand dollars on most nights, and so it they're their own worst enemy, but. Uh, Man, Dennis put his heart and soul into this series for many, many years, and and I don't blame him for for stepping away. But uh, it's really sad that uh, that it's going to be basically dead. And so, 
It's one step closer to me having to go sit through a 305 race. Yeah, I believe that series started off in, in uh, 2013, I believe it was. You know, Dennis Parker, uh, Randy, Randy Palmer, they kind of, you know, took the reins by the horn, so to speak, of when uh, Eagle Raceway got rid of the 360s and kind of started off the series. So, I mean, for the series to last as long as it is, is I'm really surprised. And it was a lot of hard work by everybody involved. And I, I personally, I want to thank everybody that, you know, put time and effort into – trying to keep 360 racing alive here because you know it's 360 racing we all know is badass yeah and when you don't have four tens around here you 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 gotta take the next best and that's 360s and we've been struggling with numbers around here for sure and when this last year when they went up to norfolk to off-road speedway uh, they had a really low car count. I know the promoter there was pretty upset at the Nebraska 360s. And same with Junction Motor. When they go out there, they get 10 or 12 cars. And so they're not happy with the Nebraska 360s. But it, it is the situation that we're in. We only have about 12 cars that can show up on any given night. And like I said, I, this, is, this is not a knock. It's just reality. Half of those are, are only legitimate contenders to win. We needed in the msts 360s out of uh, south dakota are in the, basically in the same boat and the two series need to work together in order to produce a full field of cars and my understanding is there's there's friction between both series for whatever reason and so they work together a little bit but not very often and so as a result um, it doesn't look good for the nebraska 360s and um, who knows how much longer the MSTS 360s have? Yeah, I, I don't know all the uh, the ins and outs of what's going on behind the scenes, but I know for a fact that it's tough for you know the South Dakota guys to come down here and travel, vice versa for the rest guys to go up there on on a Friday. You know they have to leave work early, try sure. to just to travel for you know three to four hours. You know and you still have to work leave work probably like six hours early just to make that three hour trip. So it's a lot of a lot of. Uh, travel that you know i don't think a lot of these guys want to do so i mean it was we were really spoiled when we had eagle running those 360s weekly well now it's going to cost uh dover and ledger and some of these guys even more money because now they got to travel out of state to race if they want to stay with the 360s and hopefully houston's will keep the 360s on every sunday night but that's on a sunday night and dover works for a living ledger works for a living so that's going to be hard on those guys and but uh I don't know what the future holds, but uh, it's really unfortunate that uh, more than likely it's not going to have 360s in Nebraska. Yeah, we're, we're kind of lucky down here. I mean, in the area of like the Lincoln and Omaha area, if, if you want to run a 360 weekly and you have the ability to travel, Knoxville's only two and a half hours away. Yeah, and again, that's hard on motors, but yeah. Yeah, you got to gotta have a big motor to run that place. There's a lot of rumors going around that there's going to be – cooperation between jackson motor speedway or jackson motorplex in jackson minnesota on friday knoxville saturday and houston's on sunday whether that's just four tens or four tens and 360s i don't know but uh if it is uh if it if it is both classes of cars that's going to help and maybe maybe the dovers and the ledgers and and uh um some other guys can make a go of it that way but uh i i can't leave friday to go up to jackson to watch watch race and it's just i mean it's like a four four or five hour drive from here so i can't make it up to jackson to watch i mean saturday's a different story running over to knoxville but sunday 
you got to work on Monday, and I don't want to get back home at 2 or 3 in the morning and go to work the next day. It was 4 a.m. when I rolled in yeah. from Houston a couple weeks ago. So And there's no way. That's going to be an early Monday morning. This old man's not going to get up that early in the morning on Monday to go to work for that. But um, we'll see how it all holds, um, how it plays out. Uh, hopefully somebody steps up and takes over the Nebraska 360 Tour. Um, I don't know. Working for free is not fun, and then working for free and then having to – deal with all the headaches and pissing off half the people with every call that you make um i don't know i don't i don't have the kahunas to to stand up to just just say i i i set terry mccarroll back a spot for jumping on the start you son of a bitch what are you doing (laughs) yeah i didn't jump that start he comes up to me fucking blind yeah he comes up to me i don't think i have the kahunas to say to stand up to him and so I, i i don't think i could do that job but um, I, I hope somebody does have the cojones and they, they come up and they step up and they run that series. It just uh, Even if it's 10 races a year, it at least gives us 10 races of 360s to, to, to go see. And, and for the record, I'm pretty sure Terry McCarl would never say anything like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no comment. <laughs> so we mentioned the MSDS earlier, and uh, they crowned their champion. Eric Lutz uh, was the champion there. It's, it's, I, I remember watching Eric race back in – uh, with the ACS Midwest uh, Midwest series and whatnot, so it's good to see him. He doesn't have a whole; I mean, he's not a big budget team or anything like that. So it's pretty cool to see him uh, still rolling around and you know knocking off wins and championships. Absolutely, yeah. He he's been to Eagle several times, and he's put that fi- his own five car in the in the in the winter circle several times. But uh, um, I don't. He's still driving a number five, and I would assume it's his own car. And he he does go out to Rapid City and race at uh, Rapid City Speedway every once in a while, which would which would be a long haul from Sioux Falls, from one end of the state to the other. But uh, yeah, he's uh, congrats to him. I, I've talked to him several times over the years. Nice guy, great guy. Um, glad he he got the win. It's kind of he has eleven tops fives out of twenty features and no wins, but uh, must have been consistent because uh, nobody's had more than one win in the series. And he just consistent, hit every race, and uh, got the points. So he's he's taking home the championship. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's not the amount of wins you have. It's the amount of top fives if you want to pull off a championship. So uh, consistency is and, definitely the name of the game there. And I think we'll get into that when we talk a little bit about the World of Outlaws um, points system right now, point standings. Yeah, that's that's a preview for, uh, for coming up. Uh, we forgot to mention that later on in the show, we're going to be joined by Amber Balkin. Uh, most of – if you're not familiar with her, she is a uh, – a female driver out of Canada. Uh, she had a couple little stint in the NASCAR world down south, running you know the uh, ARCA series and the KNN East and whatnot. And she she made a return to dirt. She was a uh, a full time four ten sprint dr- car driver out at Grand Forks and River Cities Speedway a couple like four or five years ago. So uh, she made her return back to dirt this year, driving for Flea Ruzak in the uh, Power Eye National Midget Series. So we'll we'll talk to her a little bit. See how that return's going, and uh, yeah, see what else is going on in her life, and uh, kind of what her plans and for the future are. Yeah, I know of Amber. I, I don't know a lot about Amber, so it's it's going to be interesting to kind of learn a little bit about what uh, where what she, what are her career is at, what's going on, and where she's headed, and so forth. So um, I know she's just coming off of a pretty bad wreck that uh, sidelined her for a while. So it'll be interesting to 
maybe talk a little bit about that. But for the most part, uh, just kind of get a background of her career because I, I've I've heard about her and I've I've seen a little bit about her, but I don't know a, a whole lot about her career. So it'll be interesting to hear what she has to say. Yeah, definitely. I know most people in the area will be more familiar with her cousin uh, Thomas Kennedy, the driver of that blue twenty one K sprint car with the uh, MSTS, the Nebraska 360s, and ASCS uh, uh, sprint car. So, uh, Thomas, last time the ASCS was at Eagle Raceway, he actually picked up the victory there. I mean, the guy that can't get out of Canada to save his life? Yeah. He's tried everything to get out of Canada, and all he wants to do is race. But he got stuck on the wrong side of the border. I mean, uh, Skylar Gee, he's been racing here all year. Alex Hill um, down Alex from Canada. Hill. I, mean, I think Robbie Price is another one. They all stayed in in America, and then when the border got shut down, Thomas Kennedy, because he has a, a, a job outside of sprint car racing, got locked in Canada, and he just he tried everything to get out of Canada, but he just could not get out of Canada. But let's be honest. Would you rather be in Canada right now with all this crap going on or here? And uh, I'm voting Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I love the USA, so I'm going to just stay right here in the USA. I'm healthy, and I'm staying healthy. Knock on wood, so we'll just go from there. Yeah, all jokes aside, <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we're both, both diehard Americans, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're – It's it's fun, kind of fun to watch Thomas on Twitter and talk about – tweet about all the stuff that he's trying to do to get out of Ameri- out of Canada just to go racing, but it, he's given up, and he just, he just couldn't get out of it, and so he's going to get ready for next year. All right, so with that being said, I definitely need a refill. Brad, you might need a refill. We're yes, gonna take, sir. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with our normal bullshit session, and uh, we'll be joined by Amber Balkan later on. Welcome back, guys. We definitely got a refill going on. Uh, I picked up some of the uh, bodacious blonde that Brad has brewing on. Brad, what you uh, what you uh, snag? I'm going with my favorite, the uh, B squared Pale Ale. It's uh, just an American Pale Ale. Um, easy drinking, five and a half percent alcohol. Born on date was September 12th, so it looks like I'm about ready to have to brew another one. Speaking of brewing, uh, you mentioned that you're going to make some of my favorite uh, of the uh, cream ales. Um, yeah, I can't find any of that in any of the uh, the uh, grocery stores or anything like that. You mentioned that uh, what was it, Code Brewery that Code. has a has a cream ale. Yep, Code, but, uh, Code has one. Kincaders uh, has one. But the best one in the market is, but you got to be in Wisconsin. Is the Spotted Cow? Uh, Spotted Cow in Wisconsin is you can't compete against it. So how far into Wisconsin do I have to go to get that? Because I'll be up in that area later, later on this year for hockey. So. Probably as soon as you cross the border and find the first liquor store, they they do not sell outside of Wisconsin. So um, there was a bar up in, in I want to say, Sioux Falls that would go, drive over there, buy a truckload of it, and then try to sell it at his bar or liquor <laughs> store, but he got busted for it. So, um, But, uh, yeah, best thing, I'm going to Saturday and Sunday's brew day here. 
Saturday, Oktoberfest, and uh, Amber Amber Bach, Sunday, a pale ale and a, and a uh, cream ale. That was Amber Bach, not to be confused with our guest later on, now, Amber <laughs> Balkan. So uh, we, we kind of joked around that you're going to name that cream ale the quick time cream ale. Uh, I don't know why I wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, was, it's time to change the name. So I w- I'm getting ready to register that Mustang that I bought, and uh, I was looking at personalized plates and uh, looked, and quick time's available. But then I realized that Mustang's only a V6, so it's it's definitely not setting any quick time records or by any means. But I still think it'd be cool to have you know my podcast on, on the on the uh, place of that car because if you saw the old Fusion, I have the BA photo going on there. And oh sure, I figured you know quick time might be nice, but then I, I'm second guessing myself because it's like I said, it's a measly V6 making like 145 hertzpers. Only only you know that's a V6. True, <laughs> true. But if anybody pulls up next to me, they, everybody will find out it's only a V6. Somebody has to have a quick time in a V6, so that's hey, well you. You got a point there. So <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah, what else is going on? I mean, there's well, not a whole lot of racing going on. but Well, just a couple things that have been announced this week. Um, Austin McCarl from uh, Iowa, he's going to get the 83 Junior Roth Motorsports ride in, in California this weekend. Uh, Maury Williams, longtime car owner of the Zero Car uh, passed away a year or two ago, but uh, they're having a, a tribute race for him down in, in King Speedway in Hanford, California. And Austin McCarl is going to be driving the Roth 83. So what a great opportunity for Austin to go down there and, and give that car a ride. Yeah, I, I, I didn't hear it. I, you might have been mentioned it already, but Dominic Selzy is going to drive a uh uh, zero car. Oh, the zero car, yeah. 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 So I, I don't know if that's Dominic's own car or if it's something with the uh, Maury Williams team or anything like that, but it's definitely a nice tribute to the guy because he's definitely put a lot of top caliper drivers in his car and uh, helped launch a bunch of careers coming out of California. And he did it all on his own dime. He rarely had a sponsor, and he liked it that way. He, from I, I talked to a, a driver. Um, it was Bud Cating many years ago, and, and – uh, Maury liked to drive the semi, and even when he was towards the end of his his life, he was still driving that semi because that's what he loved to do. And so uh, he he put that car on the track, the zero car. It's always a white zero, and uh, um, yeah, he had many many great drivers on that in that that seat, and and so it's good to honor him. And uh, so uh, Dominic's going to be in the car, the zero car, and then Austin's going to be in that eighty three car. So. There's been very few 410 races in California this year, so it's going to be great to have the, the 410 guys get out there and maybe get a, a weekend in this weekend. And, God, it's amazing, though, that they can even have a race with all those fires going on. Yeah, it's it's definitely nuts. I know flipping through Flow last weekend, uh, I saw that uh, – crap, I forgot the name of the racetrack right now, but Shane Golubuk won out at uh, – uh, Placerville. Placerville, yes, uh, so Shane Golubik won, and we mentioned uh, last week with Tim Kading, he hasn't gotten a chance to drive that 42 car, but he was in the seat for that uh, for that race as well. So it's nice to see some of those California guys actually get be able to go back to California and run some races. Still, there's no fans in the stands from what I understand. Yeah. But they still left photographers there, photographers in, in the in the field to take photos. So uh, my boy Devin Mayo is definitely out there uh, hustling and uh, doing his thing. I don't know how these tracks can have have these races with no fans in the stands. I mean – I just don't see them making a lot of money off of the the broadcast, the uh, the streaming broadcast. But uh, it, I mean, clearly the back gate's paying for a lot of the purse. But uh, props to those tracks for for doing it. But I I just don't understand it because even when they put um, butts in the stands, they say they never make any money, and so now there's no butts in the stands, so they're for sure not making any money. So yeah, somebody's got to be lying, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> 
So. All right. So, anyways, we are joining and going to be joined by Amber Balkan here. I see the hotline ringing right now, so we're going to take that call and uh, yeah, just have a little uh, information session, get to know Amber a little bit, and uh, see what her career is going on. Pisser, piece of shit. All that stupid ass flagman. They got a dumbass flagman that can't see. Welcome back, everybody. We are now joined on the phone by the driver of the number ten for Team Ripper, the Fleet Ruzak uh, Crew Chief Car, Amber Balkan. Amber, how's your day going? Um, it's going great. How about you? Oh, well, I, can't, I can't complain. We're we're sitting here drinking a couple of beers and uh, talking sprint car and midget racing. So it's it's definitely a good time. Yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> So we mentioned you uh, you made your return to dirt this year. You jumped in that uh, Fleet Ruzak ride uh, for the Turnpike Challenge earlier this year. I believe it was March. I, that date kept getting pushed back to the COVID thing. Kind of, kind of. How has your return to dirt been for you? Um, it's been a little bit more challenging than I expected. Uh, but it is the midget is still new to me, even though I'm not new to dirt. Uh, the midget's brand new. I ran the Chili Bowl in 2014, but. That's my only race ever in a midget. So I think I've done now five or six races this year. But um, it had been four years since I'd been on dirt. And then, again, only once in a midget. So um, it's it's been a little bit of a learning curve. Like, I feel comfortable in the car and everything. It's just a matter of getting enough seat time to um, progress with my results every every race. Yeah, definitely. I know your first uh, the first get-go at, uh, I, I want to say, I-44, you, you had a little tumble there. Um, I believe it was in either a hot lap session or your heat race that heat race. But other than that, I mean, you look pretty solid in, in the entire time you've been on, on the track out there. Um, you had a big, big wreck at, uh, Grain Valley earlier this year. How's that recovery going for you? Uh, that recovery lasted a lot longer than I expected. I've, uh, Prior to midgets, I raced sprint cars and mini sprints. So I definitely know what it feels like to flip over, done it quite a few times and um, have had concussions. But this wreck was much different than my rest. It, it was definitely the worst one. You know, I ended up in the hospital for three days with a collapsed lung and severe concussion. It was the only ra- it was the only crash that I didn't remember anything about it at all, which was kind of weird. Um, but I think that almost helped in coming back because there wasn't any fear or anything like that. I just wanted to get better as soon as I could so that I could get back on the track as soon as possible. Yeah. I definitely do not know how you guys strap into those machines after something like that happens. Absolutely. I I get scared when I go around a corner and my fishtail a little bit. I don't know how you guys can do that. So props to you guys. (laughs) Well, thank you. I just, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, you know, I've done, I've done this my whole life and I just, I can't imagine not racing. So I think the, the love and passion for the sport outweighs any fear that, uh, might've been there. Well, you, um, you did a lot of uh, some racing it with the NOSA series in North Dakota with, uh, the wings and now you're in a midget. Can you kind of compare the two for us dipsticks that kind of just sit in the stands and mm-hmm. watch and wish that we were there? Because, I th- I've got to believe that driving a midget would be so much fun, but uh, it's it's got to be like night and day driving a wings 410 sprint car versus a midget. They are so different. You know, With um, I jumped from mini sprints, which had a 1,000cc uh, GS- GSXR engine in it, to a 410 sprint car with, you know, about 900 horse. So that transition was 
um, pretty different, but the way the cars drove were pretty similar. I just had a ton more horsepower and a bigger car. The wing really holds that car down on the track. So you kind of, for the most part, always feel like you got some good traction and wherever you point the car, it normally goes where with the midget, it's, just a way wilder ride. The engines aren't as big, um, but the chassis itself is smaller, and we don't have that wing to hold us down. So it gets sideways a lot easier. Um, you have to run it more sideways into the corner. The way you position the car and like arc it into the corner is a little different. It's I would think that it would almost be more similar to driving like a dirt late model. The way you kind of like um, sling it sideways to kind of get it cocked in the center. But, uh, yeah, it's really different, but really fun. I love sprint cars, um, wing sprint cars, but this midget has been a lot of fun. Like I said before, it's been a little bit of a challenge, but, uh, I'm enjoying it so much. I'm honestly having so much fun. Like, I don't know if you guys were there on, uh, this past weekend at Tri-City, but I, I had a smile on my face the whole time. <laughs> no, unfortunately I was not, um, your teammates, uh, now with, uh, Trey Gropp, he's one of my good friends and, uh. That's kind of yeah. how kind of how this uh, whole interview got uh, set up. Trey's been getting me to go out there and you know kind of follow him around on the uh, on the Power Eye Trail. Unfortunately, you know, with wife and a kid, I can't get out as much as I want to. I understand for sure. How, how's he feeling? By the way, he took a pretty bad flip uh, as well this past weekend. Yeah, uh, from from what I talked to him and, and his mom and dad, he's doing pretty good and just anxious to get back in the car here in a couple weeks. For sure, yeah. See, uh, that's what I'm talking about. That that's just crazy. That I would want to tell my friends to keep my ass out of the car. <laughs> so, so, yeah, you guys are a different breed. That's for sure. You mentioned, oh, yeah, you mentioned uh, the, late, the dirt late models a little bit. Uh, your dad's a pretty badass dirt late model driver, and your uh, cousin Thomas Kennedy, which I know everybody here in the Nebraska area is going to be familiar with, as he runs here quite a bit when he can actually get across the border. Um, yeah, kind of, kind of talk about that. That how. How old were you when you decided that, you know, being a race car driver is what I want to do? So my dad races, my grandfather raced, and then um, my mom's brother, which is Thomas's dad, he raced as well. So when I was young, I grew up watching all of them race, and all I wanted to do was race. My cousins, uh, Thomas, and then his younger brother, Sean, they raced go-karts for quite a few years and I wanted to race so bad and my dad's like no you're not racing and I begged and begged and begged and my mom finally said you know what she's not going to stop so you might as well let her so finally at age 10 um my dad said if you want to get a go-kart you can but you got to pay for it on your own and got to work on it on your own so he you know taught me the ways of how the car works and I got a hundred dollar sponsor here a hundred dollar sponsor there and was able to kind of get a little go-kart race program together and then i raced over carts for five years then mini sprints then went to the sprint car um sprint car influence definitely comes from the kennedy side you know my mom's side my dad did race sprint cars for a little bit um but i mainly grew up watching him race late models i just i don't know there's something about sprint car i always enjoyed watching them race and thought they were just super badass and looked really fun to drive so um that's why i went the open wheel way rather than the dirt late model way yeah, we're we're definitely open wheel biased here on this program, so uh, <laughs> we we definitely appreciate you coming into to the dark side, so to speak. Yeah, <laughs> it's been kind of fun watching uh, Thomas uh, tweet about trying to get the heck out of Canada just to drive a race car. But uh, as it's been kind of fun, I know it's been probably frustrating for him, but it's been kind of fun to just sit over here and watch him try to get here. I mean, I Speedway is just right down the road from us, and he tried to, uh, several times to get down here to a couple races, but unfortunately, he just was stuck on the wrong side of the border. So, 
Yeah, I'm I'm super fortunate. Um, four years ago, I applied for an athlete visa to come down here to race NASCAR, and I got approved for it. So that's how I'm able to live in the States. But uh, it cost a lot of money, and it took a lot of um, time to kind of get that all together. And even now, I you know I still have troubles with you know getting my passport updated and um, just making sure everything's good for me to travel. So uh, it's not the easiest thing being a Canadian racing in the States and American sport, but I'm super grateful that I've been able to this year. That's interesting. You said, I'm, I'm sorry, Brandon, I cut you off. Uh, You're good. You said an athlete visa. For I am unfamiliar with that. Is that something that you have to renew yearly or is it like a, a five-year visa? Or I, I, what's the, What is that all about? I think it would be different upon different situations. Mine personally is a five-year visa, um, but like again, it could be different for different athletes and different yeah. sports and different circumstances. Oh, wow, cool! I didn't even know that existed. <laughs> so, so maybe Thomas should have took uh, some advice from his cousin, got one of those athlete visas, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, one thing I noticed, uh, I, I was actually down at I forty four earlier this year when you were racing, and you had your fiance uh, Jordan Reeves down there, and. He is definitely he sticks out at at the racetrack. He's definitely <laughs> a big guy, and we all all have heard stories about you know the girlfriends, the wives, the moms watching their significant other, their kid race, and how some can't watch, uh, some get scared, and some have to you know watch every move. What is he like at the racetrack? Um, honestly, he's pretty cool, calm, cool, collected. I think he knows that he kind of has to be like that around me because <laughs> uh, I I do well in a calm, cool, collected atmosphere for sure. But no, he's so supportive. I mean, he cleans my helmets between races and features and um, his season was canceled due to COVID. So he's been able to come to all my races. The only race he didn't come to was the one that I uh, had that bad wreck at. And he said, that'll never happen again. I'll never not come (laughs) to a race again. So um, yeah, he, he really enjoys that. You know, before he dated me, he didn't know anything about racing and now he knows tons about NASCAR, tons about dirt racing and uh, he's loving it. Yeah, definitely. He's grooving tires the other week too. It was awesome. Oh man. (laughs) So yeah, I, I follow him on, on social media media and I exchanged a a couple of direct messages here and there with him. Uh, I'm a big hockey fan. So his brother, uh, Ryan is, is, you know, a God in, in the hockey world, basically. So I so exchanged a couple of messages back and forth at the end. And I definitely saw that when he wasn't there at uh, grain Valley, he was definitely concerned and whatnot. So I just, I was just curious of that side of it, you know, a big, you know, football player of, you know, does, does he show emotions or is he just, you know, big tough guy all, all around. So it's definitely cool to hear. <laughs> well, I'm sure I see different parts of him than everyone else will, but no, he's, um, a- really a super like sweet guy and super caring and um he's not always he definitely shows emotion at least with me anyways <laughs> he probably comes in pretty handy you probably don't, don't even need to carry a jack with you you can just pick up the back of the car and change tires <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i like to say i have a uh, permanent bodyguard as well so. yeah, yeah definitely <laughs> I got a, I got a question for you. I, I went up to River City Speedways up in uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota, I don't know, about three or four years ago when we watched the Outlaws. How is it to race that racetrack? I mean, it's a quarter-mile track or, or third mile maybe. I don't remember. But you guys get around that track in like nine or ten seconds, and that just amazes me. How do you keep your bearings about you and know where you're at on the track as far as turn one or turn three or describe that racetrack to us for somebody that's never driven it compared to you that's been on it for, for quite a few times. 
I, I'm so fortunate that I grew up around that racetrack and I watched there and I think as a fan, it puts on the best races as a driver. It's by far the most fun racetrack I've ever raced. I've been fortunate to race at quite a few in that numbers growing now being in power series every week. We're basically going to new racetracks, uh, new to me anyways. And the, ba- the high banking, the quarter mile, it's just, it's a little bullring and it's so fast. It's so fun. I remember, vividly the first time I hopped in a 410 sprint car and did hot laps around there and I was just like excuse my language but like holy shit like this is freaking awesome like this is insane and my mom and dad you know when I talked about going into sprint cars they're like we really think you should start with a 360 I'm like well every it's NOSA everyone runs 410 I want to be on the same playing field like I'm running a 410 and I hopped in there and just put it down and my parents were like holy shit we can't believe that's our daughter <laughs> do that because it, it is a crazy racetrack and it but it's so much fun we sat in turn uh turn one going into turn one there's some bleachers there and hell i got dizzy just watching you guys i don't know how you guys don't get dizzy when you're <laughs> on that track <laughs> <laughs> i guess i was just used to it because i like i said like i grew up there even though i'm from canada we're only two hours from that racetrack so um, since I was a little kid, I was there every Friday, and it was my dream to race a sprint car there, and I'm super fortunate that I was able to for uh, that season of 2014. Well, I'm definitely going back to that track uh, at some point. Yeah, it's it's one of my uh, bucket yeah, list tricks. I want to race there again. You have to go. It's it's so awesome. Now, how would a midget be on that racetrack? Oh, I think midgets would excel on that racetrack. I think we need to put that on the Power Eye series. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely agreeing there. It might it might be kind of dangerous though because it doesn't have a wall. It just has a really high banking. Um, so it unfortunately we get some pretty nasty wrecks there. But um, it would be a really fun track, and I think it'd put on a great show for the fans. Yeah, we, yeah, I, I think it would be. I, like I said earlier, I, I haven't been there before, but it's definitely on my bucket list. Yeah, you got to take it off. You got to go there for sure. <laughs> Yeah, Brad, Brad keeps telling me that I need to go. So uh, racing for Flea this year, do you have any more races on the schedule with him? I know uh, listening to the uh, – I was listening to uh, Rip Defense podcast earlier just trying to get a little bit more information. And you mentioned that, you know, you're trying to get with partners and sponsorships to, you know, run a full series full, – a full season, yeah. excuse me. But uh, how's, how's that going for yes. you? So I only have um, one race left with Flea, and that's this weekend in Jacksonville uh, because of sponsorship. I – uh, raise my own sponsorship money. I, so whatever I can raise, that's how much I race with. Um, I, it's basically a full-time job trying to find different sponsors. It's, it's been really tough with COVID, but I'm going to work hard this off season. I really hope I can run a full season this late next year. Yeah, that was, that was going to be my next question was what, what your plans for next season would be. So it's definitely cool to hear that you're trying to get the, the, the funding to do it. I, we all know that racing is definitely not cheap to do. And, uh, hats mm-hmm. off to you guys that go out there and hustle every single day to try, you know, try to get that sponsorship dollar to freak out. You can go out there, entertain us fans, and gives us idiots like me and Brad something to talk about mm-hmm. on a Tuesday night. I'm no idiot. <laughs> I'm just a dipstick. I think we're, I think we're the idiots trapped in these cars. But <laughs> it, 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 I can't imagine how hard it is to try to find a sponsor right now with COVID. It's just, I mean, it's hard enough on a normal year, and then throwing COVID, and I just, I can't imagine what you guys are going through just to try to find a sponsor for hell even tear-offs or something like that yeah it's been really tough at the beginning of the year i was really hopeful um for 2020 i was talk had 
almost done deals with quite a few different companies. And as soon as COVID hit, they all backed out. And uh, it's really unfortunate because, you know, we put a lot of time and sometimes months and months, even years into building these relationships with these potential sponsors. And when it falls through, it it hurts because, you know, you know, you're not getting to race as much as you would like to. And that's always been the biggest downfall or the biggest challenge in my career has been the lack of funding and just not getting to race as much as I'd like to. But um, I'm I'm still optimistic about 2021 and super grateful to have my Glenn McLeod and Sons uh, sponsor from my hometown of Winnipeg help me out this year. With, without him, it wouldn't be possible. So very grateful for that. Yeah, you definitely just plug the sponsor. I was going to ask you to plug your sponsor because we know on, on Fleet's Cars, there's normally like a Team Ripper on the side of it. And I know your sponsor is just mainly on your fire suit and whatnot. So not everybody can see it all the time. So it's, it's, I, it's definitely good that you just plugged them. So, Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Glenn McLeod and Sons. Uh, they're a trucking company out of my hometown of Winnipeg, but uh, we're still looking for lots more sponsors. There's still room on the car and lots of races left. So for either this year or next year, if there's anyone listening who wants to sponsor, I have a marketing deck that I could email you right away. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So where can, where can people find out more information about you and kind of keep up on, on the, uh, the life of Amber Balkan? Because I know you're, you're very prevalent on social media. You're, you're posting all the time and uh, just go ahead and, you know, kind of plug those things right now. Yeah, absolutely. You guys can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Amber Balkan 10. It's A-M-B-E-R-B-A-L-C-A-E-N 10. Um, or my website is amberbalkanracing.com. And I got some merchandise on there. You can get autograph hero cards. Um, and like you said, I'm, uh, spend a lot of time on social media. I like to interact with my fans and, uh, and even drivers. If there's anything I can help with from a marketing or sponsorship standpoint, something I've learned throughout the years or I mean if you need me to introduce you to someone at Simpson or something like that anything I can do to help uh, I also really enjoy helping people where I can so yeah I gotta ask where the, where did the 10 come from I know that's your car number but where, where how did you pick your car number uh, the 10 came from my dad my dad's always been number 10 and um, I've always looked up to my dad as a driver and um, just as kind of a business guy, too, he's always done racing through sponsors, and uh, he kind of taught me the reins at a young age to work hard for everything you got. So, um, yeah, the 10 comes from my dad. See, if we, if we did research on the show, we might have known that already. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. And, and one thing before we let you go, being from Winnipeg, are you a Jets fan? No, I'm not, because my brother-in-law, or future brother-in-law, is, plays for the Golden Knights, so I'm a Golden Knights fan. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely I, – well, I, Brad's, Brad's not a hockey fan. Yeah, I, ha- I haven't converted him yet. So. You're speaking a foreign language. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't, I haven't converted Brad yet, but, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been definitely fun watching the Knights kind of, kind of making a, a playoff run. Unfortunately, they didn't, they didn't get it done this year, but hopefully, hopefully yeah, next year no, uh, Ryan can get that ring. He's definitely the best. Yeah, I hope so too. I don't know anything about hockey. I'm a sprint car fan, football fan, and then I fish, and sw- and that's about it. So uh, uh, I'm a pretty shallow person, but I don't know anything about hockey. <laughs> Other than I like to fight. And I, I've not figured out, why do you have to fight in hockey? <laughs> they fight in racing, it's, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For hockey, it's more of a intimidation, and I think it also helps kind of break the momentum. Like, actually uh, – Jordan's brother, Ryan, who plays for the Vegas Knights, he, he is kind of the intimidator. He's the fighter of the team. So um, when he's on the ice, people know they can't play. You know, they, they got to 
<laughs> keep right. And uh, if they get knocked over, it loses the momentum of the team. And we know about momentum in racing, right? It's all about keeping momentum <laughs> to uh, win races. Well, it sounds like you have the wrong bodyguard at the racetrack. <laughs> yeah, Re- Rebo would be definitely a, a hell of a bodyguard at the racetrack. <laughs> All right, this is getting out of control here. Yep, so. yep. All right, well, we're going to let you go. I want to thank you for jumping on with us. It's great to hear a little history and you know the foresight of uh, what it takes to put one of these uh, deals together. So thanks for jumping on with us, taking time out of your Tuesday, and uh, we, we hope for the best for you. Well, thank you very much, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks, Amber. Yep, thanks, Amber. Have a good night. All right, that was Amber Balkan joining us, giving us a little insight of what it takes to actually put the funding together for one of these uh, these race schedules that, you know, we, we, we pay our 10, 15 bucks, go sit in the stands, but we don't know what it takes to actually fund one of these race cars. I, I can't imagine how hard it is to continuously try to find people to give you some money to, to, to live out your dream. I, I, I just... I mean, I ran a, a website for years and years, and and I've always had some sponsors on it. Twenty five dollars, you're out here. <laughs> but I've never, I've never gone to them. They've usually come to me, but I, I and that's twenty five dollars. I, I can't imagine asking somebody twenty five hundred, twenty five thousand. Uh, yeah, exactly, it's, it's nuts. I, and especially in today's COVID world, I, I just, I, it's, and it seems like it comes easy for some people, and obviously popularity and name brand and so forth, but. Uh, um, well, I, I just, I'm, I'm so glad that I don't have to do that. Yeah, definitely. We're going to take a quick break here. Brad needs a refill. I'm going to get one here in just a second. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and kind of, you know, talk about the races ahead. All right, welcome back, race fans. We are going to wrap up the final segment, uh, kind of previewing a couple races. I know Brad was going to touch subject on the World Outlaw Points race. It's heating up. We got five races left on that schedule. Uh, Brad Sweet's leading it. Logan Schuhart and Donnie Schatz are right there. You're like a Johnny Gibson right now with all that music, man. He, he Johnny can pick out that music. But, yeah, I just wanted to review a little bit about the World of Outlaw Points battle uh, with the driver's standings. Brad Sweet has a 38-point lead over Logan Shukart and a 70-point lead over Schatz. Uh, Sheldon Hodenschild is 150 behind. But, uh, boy, you know, if Sheldon 
doesn't have some bad luck the last couple of races and break a shock and so forth, and, and he finishes in the top five, uh, Sheldon's right there. And it, it could make an interesting uh, uh, points battle. And then on the owner's point, um, uh, Jason Johnson Racing's leading with eight, um, eight points ahead of KKR and, and uh, Brad Sweet. And it's only because uh, um, Gravel had to miss a couple races for yeah, the, yeah, that NASCAR, for the NASCAR truck in. race. So, um, boy, 2020 is throwing a lot of curveballs for a lot of people. But this points battle and the sprint car racing with the World of Outlaws has been an amazing year. And uh, I can't wait to see how the – I think there's eight races left, so I can't wait to see how this plays out. Yeah, definitely. I think it's been a while since we saw a separate, you know, driver's championship versus a car owner championship. Yep. Normally it's, you know, Steve Kinzer, Steve Kinzer Racing, Donnie Schatz with Tony Stewart Racing, you know, winning the championships, or, you know, Casey Kane Racing and Pittman and Sweet or whatever. So I think it's been a while since we saw a separate car owner championship versus a driver's championship. I really hope uh, Gravel can do that for, for Jason Johnson Racing. I mean – Everybody knows what happened to Jason. It's very unfortunate. But uh, um, I hope uh, for Bobby, I hope they can get that championship in for, for her because, uh, boy, they've put their life and soul into this. And so hopefully they can do it. But, uh, yeah, I, like I said in a couple episodes ago, uh, Sheldon Hodenschild is fun to watch. And uh, if it wasn't for a broken right rear shock and I want to say a, a tire that blew up, um, he DNF'd in two races there. And if, if he doesn't DNF and he gets top five points, he's right there in the mix with this. And so that's, that's just amazing. That's, that's, that's fun to why the future is bright for this, uh, this sport. Well, what's, what's a hot shield without a few DNFs throughout the year. So, <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, uh, it looks like your, your name needs to be, and has an S in it because you got sweet Shukart, shots and Sheldon in the top four. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's see. Upcoming races. We don't have a whole lot going on in the area. Eagle Raceway's done. Unless you're a stock car fan, you can go up to I-80 this week and watch uh, some late model racing. But we know a friend of the show, Stu Snyder, he is going to roll up uh, I-29, go to Cameron, Missouri for the U.S. 360. uh, I believe they're touting it, the Missouri Nationals. That's this weekend, uh, 305s. It's uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday with a uh, practice on Thursday night. So, uh, I would expect to see guys like Drukey go up there, maybe Grossenbacher, Chapman's going to be up there for sure for local guys. Uh, but we got we got to be pulling for our man, Super, Superman. I hope they have a good turnout there. I mean, usually they're getting about 10 or 12 cars for a regular night race, and it's uh, hopefully with nothing else going on, a lot of cars show up and get a full field of cars for those guys because they, they try. They're like I-80 Speedway, in my opinion. They're trying to keep sprint car racing alive. And uh, they're not getting a lot of support. So hopefully they can get 25, 30 cars over there for this weekend. Now, I already know the answer to this being COVID and all, but uh, any normal year, uh, Brad, do you want to hop in the BA automobile and make, make the trip up there? Uh, no. Um, I, I'm sorry. Uh, and I, I keep saying this. <laughs> it's a 305 race. It's a 305 race. And no, I'm not going to Missouri for a 305 race. And for those of you guys that love three, that like 305 racing, more power to you. I have nothing negative to say about it. It's just not my thing. And so uh, until I am forced to like 305s, I'm not going to like 305s. And, and it's getting closer than, than ever before. So I'm going to go to Knoxville on Saturday night for a 410-360 race before I go to Eagle for a 305 race. I'm sorry, but that's just my opinion, and that's the way I feel. And for those of you that want to do 305 racing, 
balls to the walls and just do it. And, and, and uh, <laughs> people love it. And so go, go for it. But uh, it's just, it's just not my cup of tea right now. Yeah. I, I definitely hear you there. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I love my four tens, my three sixties, but with what we have in the area, three or fives is what it is. So, uh, unlike you, I'd rather be at the racetrack than watch it on TV. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, fortunately my wife right now still lets me go to the racetrack. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it is Eagle Raceway on Saturday nights and, and, you know, a three Oh five race here, here and there in Missouri or wherever to go. Uh, but yeah, if, if I can make it to Knoxville every week, like I used to before the, uh, the old ball and chain, I would be at Knoxville. Tell you if if I had my way, I would my camper would be parked in the North Campground, and I'd go over there every Friday night, drink some beers, go to the races Saturday, and come back on Sunday. But uh, it's a perfect world, and uh, that's not happening right now. So, yeah. Speaking of perfect world, uh, you know, I really don't know what the segue was going with that. But uh, what's your plans for the week? Um, my wife is in Estes Park, Colorado, so I am a bachelor for the next uh, six days. So. Uh, I've got a feeling cocaine that, and uh, strippers, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> I've got to believe that the, the uh, IB brew house is going to be open all week. And if the garage door is open, the brew house is open. So definitely I might have to make a, uh, a roll by here, you know, when I get off work and see if that garage door is open, because uh, I will tell you what, before I started doing this podcast with Brad, I was not a craft beer fan. I was sticking <laughs> to my Bud Lights basically, but uh, I got to tell you, this shit's good. Well, there's going to be more on tap in the future, and I'm going to make some jambalaya right now after the show, and uh, jambalaya and beer, you can't complain. All right, race fans, I want to thank you for joining on with us. Make sure you uh, like and subscribe to the podcast. Share it out where you can. We try to get these numbers up as much as you can, so uh, you sharing stuff out definitely helps out, and uh, we will catch everybody on the flip side.